Time to travel with Karan Key. SAA is the proud sponsor of the Travel Show. South African Airways bringing the world to Africa, taking Africa to the world. Visit flysaa.com today and book that trip you've always wanted to take. And a very good evening to you and welcome to this week's edition of Time to Travel. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting with Jenny Prince-Lewis, CEO of Franschuk Tourism, about the upcoming Cap Classique and Champagne Festival, which is taking place in Franschuk on the 29th and the 30th of November. Bulelwa Makalima Ngawana, CEO of the Cape Town Partnership, will be on the line and we'll be getting the latest on a new urban attraction in the Cape Town CBD called the City Walk, which will bring the city's big six tourism attractions up to seven. Sean Posen, marketing manager for Kalula.com, will be joining us this evening and he's going to be telling us about their new check-in from Anywhere campaign. And by all accounts, they're certainly making a big splash about that. And then travel writer and photographer Sarah Duff will be with us this evening. And the last time she was in studio, she told us that she was setting off for a one-year round-the-world adventure. So I caught up with her in South America after she'd just returned from a road trip across the USA. So we'll be finding out from her how that went. And just like my Law Report and Health Matters programs, there's now a short list of available documents for time to travel. You can find them on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM. And if you'd like any of those, post a message there. But please do remember to include your email address so I can send them to you. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. South Africa meets South Africa. Meet 50 million reasons to say hello. Eta, meet Hauset. Salam, meet Molo. One day, meet one day. Meet a nation that loves to play and dance. Saki Saki, meet Pansula. Meet the original trance. Meet sunshine and taste our country's finest wine on Africa's favorite airline. There's a story in each seat because great things happen every time we meet. South Africa, meet South African Airways. We are ready to connect you. South African Airways, bringing the world to Africa, taking Africa to the world. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, on the 5th of November, the Cape Town Partnership announced the creation of a new urban attraction in the Cape Town CBD, which would be unfolded in 2015, and it would bring the city's big six tourism attractions up to seven. Well, to tell us more, it's rather exciting. I've had a look at the route. It's really something I want to go on tomorrow. It's, it just looks really fabulous. I'm joined this evening by Bulelwa Makalima Ngawana, CEO of the Cape Town Partnership. Bulelwa, good evening. Welcome to the show. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me, please. This, I've had a look at the the map and what's on the route. I mean, this is absolutely fabulous. When next year are you opening this? Well, we're slowly, slowly uh, already activating it. It is a route that most Capetonians will know. It's stuck from Company Gardens with Wi-Fi in Company Gardens and Medin Zungara, which is launching, in fact, this Friday. They're opening up their new restaurant in Company Gardens. There's been a lot of investment in Company Gardens by the city of Cape Town as well. It comes down St. George's Cathedral. It crosses over Will Street, and it goes into St. George's Mall. And it travels all the way down St. George's Mall to just right opposite the Cape Town Station, where the Bart Simpson's um, Brett Murray sculpture is. And it goes up the Fern Walk. And a lot of Cape Towners will remember that Fern Walk as we walked in, in 2010 goes over the pedestrian bridge and terminates in St. Andrew Square. We are uh, already having Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi in Company Gardens. 
and we will have free Wi-Fi. We already have free Wi-Fi in St. George's Mall, Upper St. George's Mall, between the Taj and, and Mandela Roads. We are hoping that by the end of December, at least, we will have all of that route completely conducted in terms of free Wi-Fi. Now, I've, I've t- spoken about this to a number of people when I mentioned it, and they all said, but it's there anyway. What, what, what is going to be yes. different about this? Why is this suddenly different? This is, this is the exciting thing about it. It's there anyway, but a lot of Capetonians take it for granted. We do. A lot of Capetonians walk that road, uh, clutching their handbags, <laughs> looking down, and really walking fast to their next destination. I wonder how many Capetonians have been able to just pause, look up, in terms of the building, see what's actually kind of at work uh, in terms of public art that is already on that route. So in other words, we're introducing a space that's well known to Capetonians, to Capetonians, but also amplifying it as we're going forward. Because uh, one of the things about Cape Town is the fact that all of these spaces have a narrative that is not necessarily well known to Capetonians, which is the heritage narrative. What is the heritage of the central city? How can you also ensure that when you walk that route, you are able to enjoy food that is made in Cape Town, which is the Cape Town cuisine, a retail that is, uh, that is of products that are being made in Cape Town, also be able to enjoy, you know, basking as well as uh, um, public space performances, be able to see it as a destination in itself rather than a, a, a route to walk through. When, you know, I'm, what I'm going to offer the listeners is if they're interested in having a look at what is going to be on that route, please, you can drop me a mail to travel at safm.co.za and I will with pleasure send you a copy of the proposed route because it gives you a list of all the things that are on that route. And I'm sure even for Cape Townians, when you look at this, you think, good grief, I walk down there every day. I didn't realize all of that was there. And that is the whole it, point. Is it's, There's so much there's so much. I mean, our strategy, our strategy is very simple. First of all, we need to be able to uh, showcase what is already there, restore what needs to be restored, and then amplify. For example, informal trading, um, which is the stalls that are all the way down to George's Mall. Every board knows that they're there, but the fact that they actually don't have the ability to trade 24-7 under an all-weather structure makes it very difficult for them to invest in their own businesses. We are hoping that this walk will be able to allow them to do that because we are able then to leverage resources to be able to provide that. We are also hoping that the, for, the formal retailers, uh, which is the, uh, the retailers who have their back doors to St. George's Mall, because of the fact that we are actually bringing more uh, you know, pedestrian traffic into that space, will be able to amplify the retail offering within the stores. I mean, I know a lot of Kiptonians probably will understand when I say, when you go to Morocco, you want to go to the, Medina, to, to, to the Medina because you want to experience Moroccans having a jaw in their own space, yes. interacting with each other. As a visitor, you don't feel like a voyeur you know, in this space. You feel as if you're part of something bigger than yourself. That's exactly what we need in Cape Town. I mean, we experienced a little bit of this during the 2010 World Super World Cup when people went to walk to Fern Walk, not because they had a ticket to the stadium, but because they actually enjoyed the experience of mixing with other people on the Fern Walk. Bilalwa, this is but this is sort of going towards the global trend of, of tourism where people are not wanting to visit the city as a visitor. They're actually wanting to experience the authenticity of a city. They, as you said, they want to feel part of it, not they're looking in as a tourist. Absolutely. I mean, I remember about, I think it was around uh, the beginning of this year, around about February, there was a New York journalist who had visited Cape Town and he phoned me as Cape Town partners and said, can you please take me around Cape Town? Because every time I want to see Cape Townians enjoying themselves, 
I'm taken to different spaces and I see different Capetonians, but I don't see a space where I can get all of them together and enjoy being part of them together as a, in, in, in all their diversity. And so it happens to be on the day that we had first test days in town. Oh, right, yes. So I took this new journalist who had been walking all over the Kibis. He had gone to the waterfront, he had gone to Langa, he had gone to Mzolis and etc. Got here at around about 6 o'clock that day. And I said, let's, you know, let's just chill. Let's just see what happens in Cape Town. And she, in unbelievable, was un- uh, completely enthused by seeing, you know, the fact that the museums are open, that the Kiptonians are enjoying themselves. We walked, you know, the whole of the of the festive day route. We ended up uh, having dinner at about nine o'clock that evening. When she left, she said, "Finally, I get it. This is the beauty of Cape Town: is the diversity and the richness in terms of cuisine, in terms of conversations, in terms of meeting Capetonians in the spaces that they all they, they enjoy themselves." Well, now with the holidays coming up, hopefully we'll have lots of visitors to Cape Town. And this is a national program, so hopefully lots of people who are listening around the country will be coming to visit us over the holidays who might not be aware of what First Thursday is all about. So tell people what First Thursday is all about. First Thursday is a movement that's happening all over the world. In Cape Town, it's really taken off. It means on the first Thursday of every month, you will be able to enjoy an amplified experience in public spaces, but all the museums are open, all the restaurants, restaurants are open, and you are able to enjoy, you know, mixing with Capetonians, enjoying the art, enjoying music, and being able to have a meal in town. Especially, this becomes a really incredibly important in a space like the downtown area of Cape Town. Well, of course, we know, you know, we drive there in the morning and then five o'clock we all drive out. It doesn't seem like a space that can draw us back in to be able to retain us in that space and uh, to be able to enjoy the experience there. So first Thursday is a movement that's really taken off in Cape Town. As the Cape Town Partnership, we've been amplifying, for example, the Green Market Square and, and, and Church Square to be able to showcase what can happen when the community, which lives around a space, comes together to share a meal, to share experiences, and to share, to animate the space and have a community. It's almost like the, low, the, the old day style of actually playing in your street. This is exactly what it is. So the, everything is open until, into the evening as it normally would close at the end of working time. Absolutely. First it Thursday. Is. It's open into the evening. But, yes, but, it does. It opens into the evening. And so we are hoping that we can then amplify that experience on the city walk. Yeah, was, but below, there's something like the city walk night. Hopefully this is the start of, of turning Cape Town into a 24-hour city, the CBD into a 24-hour city, something like along the lines of New York, for example. Absolutely. I mean, it means instead of having a CBD, which dies down and goes to sleep at one o'clock on a on a Saturday, uh, you know, midday, and then wakes up again on Monday morning, we are now able to amplify that um, because the, vibra- the vibrancy of the CBD requires that Capetonians themselves look at the CBD as a place of choice to go to um, to enjoy themselves. And we 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 are still quite missing that 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 that, that bit in, in in terms of the Cape Town uh, CBD. I mean, in, since we were started in 1999 as a Cape Town partnership, we've been able to see a lot of gains in terms of restoration of security, restoration of uh, you know investment in the CBD. What we want to see now is Cape Townians seeing this space as a space that belongs to them, a space that is able to tell their narrative in terms of public art, in terms of eventing, in terms of performances. I mean, we do see this periodically. For example, when there's a switching on of the lights, you have about 100,000 people in town. Why can't you have more of those people coming to town period, you know, throughout, the t- throughout the year rather than coming in only in terms of events?
The thing I liked in, in, in one of the press releases I got was part of all of this, there's going to, I know it sounds like a very simple thing, but it's a very important thing. It's going to be the introduction of more public ablutions, which I think is very important. And the exciting thing yes. as well, lots of experimental street food offerings. This whole sort of food trucks and street food, it's everywhere around the world. It would be wonderful if we could start a movement like that in Cape Town. Oh, yes, of course. I mean, I'm very excited for them that they made them in the restaurant mm. in the company gardens, which is aimed at the average Kryptonian who already has around about 50 to 60 rands to spend um, on a meal, to be able to enjoy that meal and enjoy a, you know, a sense of being connected to a space like company gardens. So we're launching, it's being launched, uh, uh, that restaurant is opening up this Friday. So, you know, cuisine is a very important narrative. We have food trucks, for example, around test days, where you can buy affordable food from a truck and being able to enjoy the Cape Town cuisine is really uh, an important part of it. Of course, we also see this work as an experimental space, we call it the city lab, where we can be able to test you know, policies that are important to the city. How do you test, for example, the public art bylaw? How do you test informal trading bylaw in a way that the city council as well as the citizens, as well as the private sector can say, this is a bylaw that we think could work if we do it this way. And this is a testing space, we call it the city lab. And so once we've refined what can be, we can then roll it out into the greater metro. One last thing I wanted to ask you, Bilal, I know for Capetonians we could sort of find our way around the city walk. Are there going to be guides or anything like that for visitors to the city? Okay, so there are a number of walking uh, of of, uh, of entities that are already work, offering uh, guided walking tours. I mean, the Taj Hotel is one of them. The mm. Bus is one of them. These are free walking tours that people can join. We also have an app which is called the Creative Cape Town app, which you can download, which can be able to tell you what is around you as you walk down that walk. The so phase one of the walk is to be able to have a demarcated clear clarity in terms of as you walk down you know that you're still on the walk we're hoping to do that by by april next year and then the next phase would be to have some kind of uh, medium term kind of permanent uh, activation of the walk and of course the long term is the infrastructure we're adopting a lighter quicker cheaper approach to it because we don't want to put a lot of investment up front at the same time we want it to uh, kind of develop itself organically I mean, if you look at what's happened in the fan walk, on the fan walk, is that all the retailers, whether it's a restaurant or anyone who has retail in that space, they've self-activated because they understand the feeling of the fan walk. And so there's a sense of relaxation of regulation there. People are, you know, restaurants are spilling into the pavement. They, you know, they're able to kind of amplify what they offer indoors to be able to, for you as a, as a, as a pedestrian, to be able to see it outside as well as a pass through. Well, as I said, holidays are coming up. For all of you listening out there, if you're coming to Cape Town and you like a copy of this wonderful thing, you don't have to wait for it to roll out next year. You can go and have start having a look yourself. I mean, there's no thing, nothing stopping you going to have a look now. If you'd like a copy of that, just drop me a mail, travel at safm.co.za, and I'll send you that. And uh, come along and enjoy Cape Town. You're going to have a wonderful time. Belova, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the show this evening, and good luck with the rest of this wonderful, wonderful project. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bilalwa Makalima. Looking forward to, uh, to work. We'd welcome everybody. Yeah, thanks. Work. Absolutely. Thank you. Bilalwa Makalima Ngawane is CEO of the Cape Town Partnership. And the Cape Town Partnership is welcoming conversation through an email address, citywalk at capetownpartnership.co.za. So please feel free to have your say. And for more information, you can take a look at the website. It's capetownpartnership.co.za. 
Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, I keep telling you, holiday season is upon us, and with a massive influx of people to South African airports, they become notoriously congested. Kaluda.com has come up with a quirky campaign, well, obviously, to encourage customers to skip the snaking queues and save time by rather checking in from, well, anywhere. Well, so joining me this evening is Sean Posen, marketing manager for Kaluda.com. Sean, good evening. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Good evening, Karen. Yeah, it's great to be back on the show, and yes, it's definitely been a while, but well, yeah, there's something great. There's been some great things happening at Kalula, so yeah, I'm glad to share them tonight. Well, I got a phone call. I think it was yesterday morning, um, or so, no, yesterday afternoon, telling me that they were pushing Jack Parrow around in a bath. That is at correct. At Tambo. what are you doing, Sean? No, no. Let me give you an update. <laughs> what, it's, yeah, we've got a bath going around Cape Town at the moment at the oh. airport. And we've got a bed in, um, at ORT at the moment. And what we're trying to do, well, what we are doing is promoting online check-in. You know, a lot of people, for some reason, they, they're happy to make a booking online on it, but they don't seem to do the online, book, um, online check-in. So, you know, it takes a few seconds. You can check in from anywhere. So when we originally started thinking of how do we promote this, we wanted to do something in true Kalula style. And we came up with the idea of building a life-size bath with all the things, you know, instead of having a little yellow duck, we've got a green duck in it. Um, we've got an actor in it. We've got... Um, we got the bed with all the bedding, all of that, and also actor there. We're working on their tablet, showing people how to check in online. But the greatest thing, Karen, with these bed, these, the bed and the um, bath, is that they actually are remote controlled. So you've actually got them going around the airports. Oh my goodness! Um, and yeah, the customers' reactions been brilliant. Um, I've, I've received a couple of um, videos and just what people have been filming at the airport. And it's just when you see these customers walking and all of a sudden this bath goes past, <laughs> it really has been great. So it's been a great campaign. Started on Monday morning. We were at the airport 5 o'clock to start it off, and yeah, so far in the last three days, it's been great. We've had two celebrities. Jack Perry was one of them, and we've had another celebrity on uh, Monday. I don't want to give too much away, but we'll be having a video going out, um, hopefully tomorrow or Friday, with them um, being moved around, and, and you can see the fun they were having on these, in this bath and on the bed. Now, I mean, something like online check-in, I mean, you, you could have just said to people, well, you're going to go and check-in online, but I mean, the way you do things, I mean, it's always come out with the most outrageous things and the campaigns are fabulous but it makes people stop and really think about it and they'll remember that guy you know being pushed around the airport in a bath or on a bed so i mean they're going to remember that rather than you just telling them to go and check in online definitely well that, that is the thing you know when we originally sat to the agency which was a, how do we actually promote something where you could just go and tell someone it on a pamphlet or actually show them in real life example of how it can be done and something that's going to stand out. And that was why, luckily, our agency came up with this idea. And, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, when they first pitched it, I was a little bit, oh, this is a bit different. But, yeah, <laughs> we've loved it, and it's been great. And we're really happy to see how it's working. And it's only been going for three days. The bed and the bath are going to move to other airports. And so, yeah, I think it just has a go. It's more and more people are going to see it, and it's just going to get more and more popular. So tell me how this online check-in actually works now. Can we do everything online now? Well, you can do most of the things online, and the main thing is, you know, obviously, you know, we, you've always been able to book your flights and that, but the nice thing about online checking is, well, well, uh, online checking is when you, you can skip the queue, so you don't have to go to the airport, you don't have to wait in the queue, you know, often, especially around Christmas time, um, the festive season, you know, you've often got those long queues, you can check in online, you can actually print your boarding pass at home, go straight to the airport, drop your bag off at the baggage counter and go straight through the security, so it saves you a lot of time. Um, and like I'm saying, and like we were saying earlier, over Christmas time, it is a very busy time. So you want to try and skip the queues. You want to get through the security gate as soon as possible. And this just helps alleviate it completely. There's also at the airport the self-service kiosks where you can just go. You can literally put your name, either your name, your, your um, reference number, and yeah, you'll get your boarding pass straight away there, and you can go straight through the counters, which saves you, once again, more time. 
And I mean, this is obviously going to cut down a lot on the sort of the counter lines, as you said, and the time and all the, the frustration over Christmas. And as you said in one of your press releases, I, I rather liked it, said we can't manage your in-laws or do your Christmas shopping, but we do hope that our newly improved online check-in system can save you some time that can rather be spent with your family and a lot less stress, I'm sure, as well. Definitely, and that's obviously what you really want to do. You know, this time of the year is busy. You want to get away on your holiday. You've had a busy year. And, yeah, if there's anything, if there's any um, opportunities of trying to save time, yeah, I would definitely recommend online check-in. Now, just before we sort of drop the online check-in thing, you're not just an airline anymore. No, we, we have evolved. Um, you know, it was a slow transition, um, and it's just happened over the years, but we really become a full travel portal. You know, you can book your flights, you can book your car, you can book your hotel. So we offer all the op- um, we offer everything at the moment. And can we do most of that online? All of that can be done online in a couple of simple steps. Um, the process is very easy. You know, you go onto the Kalula website, pick your flights, book a hotel, book accommodation. There's also a couple of ancillary revenue. If you want to pick your seat, all of those, you can all do it online. So we pretty much can just, as you say, either do it in the bath. Just don't don't drop your tablet or your laptop in the bath. Definitely. No, don't do that. Or you can do it in bed. Or you can do it anywhere. Yep, that as is I it. Said. You can do it anywhere. Absolutely anywhere. <laughs> so how full are the flights over the holidays now, Sean? Are we sort of uh, battling to get seats at the stage? Yeah, look, or? the flights are selling out. Um, I think, you know, everyone wants to travel. People, you know, it's one of the nice things about South Africans. You know, they like to go away and they like to travel in their own country. So we definitely seen quite a nice... Uh, a nice number of customers wanting to fly, which is really great. And yes, the flights are definitely filling up. So if you're wanting to go anywhere at this time of year, you should have booked by now. Definitely. Or Unless you want to come to jo- um, Josie. That's the only oh, place really? That everyone seems <laughs> to want to go to the coast. So yeah, Josie, the flights coming to Josie seem quite open at the moment. Okay, well, yeah. if you've got family up in Joburg and you wanted to go and visit, um, now is possibly the best time. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. So anything exciting happening over the Christmas time? I mean, anything, any big promotions you've got going on? Anything interesting people need to know about? No, uh, really, the, the, this is going to be our last campaign mainly for this year. We've got a few small little things coming. But, um, you know, Christmas time really is a family time and that. So we want to promote, we're promoting this campaign. It's going to be running for another week or two uh, with the beds and the bath moving around. And then they'll actually stop. And then we'll just be doing, um, having people at the airports educating customers and they're on this, this um, how to check in online. And then we'll obviously start in the new year. We've got a couple of campaigns um, in the pipeline um, ready to roll. And then they'll start early in January. Well, I can't wait for those because whenever you guys come up with something, it's always something seriously way out the box. Well, that's what you're always trying to strive to do. And have you been have you been out to Cape Town to Cape Town International recently? Yes, no, no, I was there last week, and oh, okay. I'm going to be there actually on Friday again. Because what I was going to say is, was even if you're not going to be flying anywhere, go and visit Cape Town International. If you guys are going to be there, go and have a look at the what is going to be there next week: the bath or the bed. Um, well, the bed actually ends this week. Um, no, the, um, the bed ends this week, and then the bed's going to move to Durban. Okay, so what's in Cape Town next week? Nothing. No, next week, unfortunately, there won't be any other Okay, so you've got two more days to go and see the bed. That's and, right. and basically, as I, I often talk about on the show, there's so much to do at the airport. You can go. It's like a destination. You don't even have to be flying anywhere now. Definitely. You know, there's lots of art installations, and there. The, have you seen the flybury? Yes. You've seen that where you can go and get a book or drop a book off or swap a book out and at no cost at all. You can just go and help yourself. It's a wonderful thing. It's a sort of done on the honor system and there's all these art installations and there's boulders, penguins and um, Nelson Mandela's cell on Robben Island. All these installations there at the airport as well. So it's quite a, a destination in itself. You don't even have to be going anywhere. So make a trip out there. You've got two more days to go and see this amazing thing, this uh, advertising 
I don't know what you would call it, an adventure more than anything <laughs> else that Kalula does. Go and have a look at it at Cape Town International because it's going to be there till the end of the week. So, And then you say it's off to Durban, so people can go from next week, pop along to, to uh, Durban. Yeah. And uh, King Shaka, is it? Uh, yeah, it will be a King Shaka. It will be then Durban, the um, bed, and then the bath will be moving to Lanseria. Okay, so you've got an option. Wherever you are in the country, you would have some other time. You can go and have a look at this because it looks like it's a lot of fun, this thing screaming around inside the airport. Sean, thank you so much, and I look very forward to catching up with you in the new year to see what else you guys have got on your plate because, it's, as I said, it's always something very funny and very interesting and seriously way out the box. That's so I look very forward to that. Have a wonderful festive season and um, enjoy your travels around the country with uh, the guys in the bath and the bed. You too. Thank you very much. Thanks Corinne for your time. We'll in the new year. Will do. Thanks, Sean. Thanks. Good Keep night. Well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sean Posen is Marketing Manager for Kalula.com, and for more information on what's on offer, you can take a look. It's Kalula. Dot com. And before we move on to our next interview, let me just tell you that Bearskloof, Bottleray Hills pop-up winemaker's lunch for 2014, is taking place at Bearskloof Estate on the 30th of November. It's the last Bottleray Hills pop-up winemaker's lunch for 2014, and it promises to be a not-to-be-missed miss, summer affair when Bearskloof plays host with a sun-kissed array of taste sensations in its popular Red Leaf restaurant on Sunday, the 30th of November. So if you're down in Cape Town for that, do pop along. But if you'd like to go, I suggest you do book in time because it that does tend to get booked up quite quickly and it's basically it's it's um on the sub route of the Stellenbosch American Express wine routes and they share some of their new wine releases <clears throat> during a relaxed tasting there's a long table lunch on the outside deck the views from there the winelands views are absolutely spectacular and it's the perfect go-to spot to stock up on quality wines for the festive season celebrations and maybe just to catch your breath amidst the end of year frenzy which I think is about to start if it hasn't already started for you the Bottleray Hills Winemakers Lunch at Bears Club starts at 12.30. That's for the wine tasting. And it's followed by lunch at 1 o'clock. It costs 280 rand per person for the interactive tasting and lunch, which includes a glass of wine per course. And pre-bookings are essential as seating is limited. You can go to wineroute.co.za to book your seats. And if you'd like to go, I suggest you book immediately because those things, as I said, tend to get booked up very quickly, especially at this time of year. We've got lots of visitors in, in, in the town, in Cape Town, and they all tend to go to these things and take all the seats. So if you want to go... I suggest you book now. Go to wineroute.co.za. South Africa. Meet South Africa. Meet 50 million reasons to say hello. Eta, meet Hauset. Salam, meet Molo. One day, meet one day. Meet a nation that loves to play and dance. Saki Saki, meet Pansula. Meet the original trance. Meet sunshine and taste our country's finest wine on Africa's favorite airline. There's a story in each seat because great things happen every time we meet. South Africa, meet South African Airways. We are ready to connect you. South African Airways, bringing the world to Africa, taking Africa to the world. Time to travel with Karen Key. You may have heard her on the show a number of times in the past. Uh, and the last time we spoke to Sarah Duff, she mentioned she was off for a year traveling around the world. Well, I thought I'd catch up with her. She's currently in Argentina and uh, she's having a fabulous time by all accounts. But before she got to Argentina, she spent some time in the USA. Now, Sarah is a travel writer and photographer. And if you'd like to follow her and find out what she's doing and read some of her fabulous blogs. And let me tell you, the photographs are absolutely phenomenal. You can have a look at her blog. It's Duff's Suitcase. Suitcase.com. It's D-U-F-F-S. Suitcase. 
all one word, duffssuitcase.com. Sarah, good evening. Welcome to the show. How are you? Karen, and thanks for that great introduction. I'm very well, thank you. I'm five months into a year on the world trip and just loving being on the road. Right, you spent some time in America. Yes, um, so I spent a couple of weeks in New York um, and then my boyfriend and I hired a car and we did a cross-country USA road trip, which is something I've always wanted to do, you know, having watched Thelma and Louise and, you know, all those great road tripping movies of the 80s and 90s. It's something I've always dreamed of doing. So we rented a Hyundai Elantra, so not as, you know, exciting as a Cadillac or something (laughs) like that, but very fuel efficient, and took off. And so we drove from New York all the way to San Francisco over three weeks, and it was just the most phenomenal trip. The USA is a very, very, very diverse country. So... You know, in a matter of days, you're going from mountains to desert to, you know, massive cities to tiny one-horse towns to forests, then to the ocean. And it just just completely exceeded our expectations and had a really wonderful time. 16 states and 7,000 kilometers later, you said you did that in three weeks. America's big, yes. <laughs> so it's a big distance to cover from state to state. So there was a lot of driving, but you know, each state is like a different country. They're so different. The people are different. The culture is different. Even the way people speak is different. The food is different. So going to that many different states really gave us a great perspective on um, America and how, yeah, as I said, how fabulously diverse it is. And you fell in love with one of my favorite places in, in America, which is New Orleans, which I thought was, I have to go back there. It was just the most amazing place. And that seems to be something that really touched you as well. Yes, I love that city. It's really like nowhere else in the States. It's got this kind of European and also Caribbean vibe to it. Beautiful architecture, super friendly people. I love the food. It's all very deep fried, so it's not the healthiest (laughs) place. But the food was great. The cocktails were amazing. And it's really all about the music. So every night we were there, we went to go see live bands. And the music kind of spills out onto the streets. And then jazz bands just randomly start playing on street corners and then suddenly a crowd of 100 people is dancing in the street. It's so wonderful. Now, I really love that place. You stayed somewhere called, was it La Belle Esplanade? Was that in New Orleans? Yes, yeah. So it's a um, little guest house run by Apple and it's a restored 100-year-old mansion um, on a beautiful street in the Treme district, which has become quite famous now because there's been an HBO series made about it. So it was a little bit away from the French Quarter, which can get a little bit hectic. So it was nice to stay in a quieter part of town and lovely to stay in an old mansion. We had a balcony overlooking the street. Great. And Louisiana, there was one of your photographs that that I had a look at, and you call it Oak Alley. And it's just this amazing plantation mansion. You sort of almost think of Gone with the Wind days. And this amazing oak alley. I mean, the the oak trees on both sides sort of meeting in the middle, sort of leaning towards each other in the middle. Quite phenomenal picture. Yeah, it's actually quite a famous um, plantation, and it's being used as a location for a lot view with a vampire which I'd seen when it um, when it first came out and so it's uh, got a really beautiful sense of romance about it the oaks are 300 years old and we did a guided tour of the plantation mansion and they took us through the whole history which obviously some of it is not beautiful and romantic as the south is but um, it's an interesting history nonetheless so from there where did you go after New Orleans 
to Austin, Texas, which was a really great city. Um, there's a thousand food trucks in the city, so we just ate food truck food, which was amazing. It's a city of lots of music. It's very liberal. It's quite different to the rest of Texas, which is quite um, Republican and conservative. And then from Austin, we went to Martha, which is the tiniest little one-horse town of about 2,000 people. But a famous New York artist moved there in the 70s, and with him came a whole lot of other artists. And now it's this town of avant-garde art and art galleries and quite eccentric-looking people walking around in amongst all the cattle ranches. So that was an unexpected highlight for us. And it's, uh, we really love the desert around there. Quite a few movies have been filmed there, like No Country for Old Men. I mean, the whole of America, really, when you drive through it, you just start to see so many things that are familiar. Monument Valley in Utah was the same. There's been a lot of westerns filmed there, though apparently the movie makers added their own cactuses. So you expect to see certain things from the movies, like uh, cactuses in Monument Valley, and they just aren't there because they put fake ones in. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> but yeah. this 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 Marfa, I was fascinated by Marfa because I've never heard of it. And it's you said in one of the little things you said that it's hard to get to and even harder to explain. But once you're there, you get it. And it, it's just amazing. It's sort of minimalist art galleries, people in arty glasses and ranches in cowboy hats, gourmet restaurants just in the middle of it all and food trucks and surrounded all by the Texan desert. But then there was one place that fascinated me. It was called Prada Marfa. I mean, it's, it's this tiny little shop literally in the middle of, there's nothing surrounding it. It's just there in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, so it looks like a Prada shop, mm. but it's actually an art installation, a permanent art installation. It's been there for a number of years and it really, it's actually not even in the town. It's really in the middle of nowhere on the side of this road that is so empty that you kind of expect tumbleweeds to roll past. And you go up to the shop and there's even handbags and Prada shoes inside there. Probably one of the most photographed places in Texas. People make pilgrimages out there just to go and see it. And it's just so... It's um, There's quite a few bizarre roadside things to see in America, and that was probably my favorite. Now, around also, you said in, in Marfa as well, El Cosmico is, it, is the best place to stay. It's the coolest place to stay. Yeah, I love El Cosmico. So it's kind of a, a funky trailer park just outside of town, and it's filled with vintage Airstream trailers that have been designed inside by designers. So they're all uh, pretty chic. So you have a choice of staying in a trailer, or you can stay in a wigwam, or you can stay in a yurt, or you can just camp, which we did. And then they've got hammocks dotted around, and on weekends they have concerts. So they get bands from Texas, and they get they even had the XX, which is a band from the UK, playing there. And it was just such a cool spot to hang out in the coolest town in Texas. So you dragged yourself out of Marfa and off to Santa Fe. Yes, so that was a uh, uh, New Mexico and a beautiful little town of it's called Spanish Pueblo architecture. So it's kind of like these adobe uh, ochre-colored adobe houses. It's one of the oldest towns in America. So there's a lot of history there, a lot of art. Georgia O'Keeffe used to live on a hacienda near there, and there's a fabulous Georgia O'Keeffe museum there. Um, and really great Mexican food. Um, so Santa Fe was one of our favorite stops. And you drank Aztec hot chocolate there. What, what, what was so different about Aztec hot chocolate in um, Santa Fe? So it's the traditional way that, hot, that chocolate was first consumed by the Aztecs who discovered it, I think it was about 300 years ago, 400 years ago. And it's raw uh, cocoa and then just hot water, cinnamon and chili. And it's 
so delicious. And once you've drunk that, you can't really go back to um, Nesquik. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they can stop making some of this. <laughs> sounds like it sounds quite fabulous. And then I was fascinated by the Carlsbad Caverns where you went to. Yeah, so that's in um, New Mexico, mm. and it's one of the biggest natural limestone caverns in the Northern Hemisphere. And so on the surface, we were in 40-degree heat in the baking New Mexico desert. Um, and you go down 70 stories, and underneath there's this cool, damp, huge cavern full of stalactites and stalactites. And you can spend hours down there. That's how big it is. You just don't want to wander off the path. Things get a little bit dark and scary very quickly. But at least it's cool down there. Yes, yeah. Relief from the heat. And then you mentioned Monument Valley. Well, that was the next stop. But you, you've mentioned that already. And that's sort of, you, you, you refer to it as a lunar world. Yes, it's very otherworldly. So it's a vast, vast desert. Um, not many people up there. So wherever you look, it's just sort of endless horizon of desert. And there are these huge rock formations jutting out of the earth. So they kind of look like fingers or sometimes look like hands. People would probably, a lot of people haven't heard of it, but if you went there, you'd recognize it from the movies. And there's a famous road there, which was, as you mentioned before, my fam- favorite road of the trip, which is Highway 163 which is where, I don't know if you remember the, the movie Forrest Gump, where he yes. goes on that long run, and he yeah. stops running at some point, and mm. he said, this is enough. And that was where he did it, it was on that road. Okay. So it's become a bit of a tourist uh, spot, so everyone's lying on the road and sitting on the road and taking these dangerous photos of the cars was passed, but it's, <laughs> it's very beautiful. Where we went in Monument Valley, um, that land is, belongs to the Navajo people, and I didn't realize this, but they have their own government. They're not actually part of the U.S. Um, so they have sovereignty over that land, and they have their own government, their own politics, and their own education system. And we had a Navajo guide who was, it was fascinating to find out all about their culture and about how they've managed to retain that land over the years. And then, Sarah, you went off to the Grand Canyon, but it unfortunately didn't all go according to plan. Yeah, we forgot to buy wood, so we didn't have a fire for our campfire. We forgot to buy food, so we didn't have anything to cook. Um, and we missed sunset, and then we slept dry alarms and missed sunrise, so we kind of did everything wrong. But despite that, the Grand Canyon was one of our highlights. It was just, it's just the most amazing sight to see. It's so vast. I mean, you've seen the pictures, and you imagine it being quite big, but you can't really get a sense of how huge it is until you're there. It's quite overwhelming, and... It's really one of the most beautiful, magnificent places in America, and it was um, definitely one of our highlights. And then camping under the trees is also wonderful. How did um, you... And we hiked along the room there. I was going to ask you how you saw it, because there's a couple of options. I mean, you can do the floor, you can do the overhead sort of helicopter sort of thing. What did you do? So we just hiked uh, along the rim. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to hike down into the canyon, and it was also very hot, so it was in the middle of summer. So I'd like to go back um, in autumn or spring when it's a bit cooler and spend more days there and actually hike into the canyon. And then pretty much from the sublime to the ridiculous, I mean, from this amazing beauty, this nature, this incredible place, you go off to Las Vegas. I mean, literally from one extreme to the other. Yeah, exactly. Las Vegas is only about four hours from the Grand Canyon and they couldn't be further apart. I mean, Las Vegas is really just the epitome of hedonism and capitalism in America. And it's an interesting place to visit. It was my first time there. Um, and I think, you know, once is enough. And, and two days there was, was more than enough. It's 
kind of felt like being on a safari. We sort of walked around and stared at everything. It's overwhelming. It's the neon lights and the music and the casinos and the half-naked girls dancing on top of the gambling tables and strip <laughs> shows and, yeah, just everything you imagine Las Vegas to be, it's, that's what it is. It's just like it is in the movies. But it was quite nice to escape Las Vegas and get to the coast. And from L.A., we drove north to San Francisco along highway, Pacific Highway 1, which, is, which hugs the coastline all the way up to San Francisco. And you drive through an area called Big Sur, which is these huge redwoods and steep cliffs tumbling down into the ocean. And we camped there, and it was really great to get back into nature and finish off there before we uh, went to San Francisco. Sort of quite the, but San Francisco is quite the place. I mean, it's a very kind of liberal, so I don't know, it sort of almost reminds you still to this day, almost the hippie generation out there. Yes, definitely. I think, you know, remnants, you can see remnants of, of the hippie generation and of alternative philosophy. It's really liberal. Um, it's very gay friendly. It's very cosmopolitan. The food is great. Uh, lots of organic food and vegetarian food, lots of yoga studios. People are very nice. So big contrast to New York where everyone's very fashion conscious and very cool and very trendy. San Francisco, people are very liberal, very chilled out, very uh, alternative. And I could easily, easily, easily live in San Francisco. It reminded me a lot of Cape Town um, in some ways. It's a really great city to visit and I would go back there any day. Now, just some of your photographs, Sarah, absolutely incredible. The one that was quite amazing was the Horseshoe Bend in Arizona. I mean, it was looked a little scary because there was a, almost like an outcropping where you could stand on this thing. And I, I think you mentioned there that some par- parents are quite happy for their toddlers to stand on this thing. I would have been having a yeah. nervous breakdown. <laughs> uh, my boyfriend wouldn't even let me go to the oh, edge because really? I'm a bit clumsy. <laughs> so I had to stay about three meters from the edge while he was allowed to go to the edge and take some photos. Um, and I saw a mother with her, must have been a four-year-old, and he was posing for a photo on the edge. And I've actually got a photo of her taking a photo of him right on the edge. And it actually just makes you feel sick to think about it because... It's, uh, yeah, you die in seconds. (laughs) Absolutely, gosh, but it's quite a spectacular sight, though. Yes, um, so you drive through desert for ages and there's nothing and it's just hot and dry and barren and then you hike a little bit off the road and it's, um, it's not as big as the Grand Canyon, but it's a deep river canyon and the Colorado River kind of snakes around in a, in a horseshoe shape and the Colorado River is a deep bluey green and it's such a color contrast and it's the first sort of blue-green thing you see in ages. So that also makes it um, even more spectacular. I was quite fascinated by, uh, you said it was actually the best motel of the trip, something called the Hat Rock Inn in the tiny desert hamlet of Mexican Hat in Utah. I love the fact that they had fake palm trees. Yeah, yeah they had a pool, a sparkling pool overlooking a river and um, big fake palm trees to shade your lounges. I just, I love motels and I love the sort of retro motel vibe in America. So I stayed at motels whenever I could, but this one was definitely the best one. Um, and the town of Mexican Hat, well, it's not even a town, it's two motels and a petrol station, that's it. So okay, as you rightly said. about 100 people who live there. You called it a hamlet and it sounds about right. Yes, yeah. And, but talking about palm trees, fake ones in um, Mexican Hat, in Los Angeles, I was quite astounded to see that they actually cover the palm trees in Los Angeles in graffiti. Yes, yeah. Um, LA is quite a grungy, it's, it's kind of a mixture of really cool and, you know, the celebrity culture and lots of fashion and lots of models and lots of 
TV people. But then it's got a really grungy edge to it, which I quite like. And on Venice Beach, um, the trees are covered in graffiti. There's a lot of graffiti in street art in LA anyway, but they've extended it all the way to the beach. It sounds like you, you actually delved a little deeper than just on the surface in America, which I think is always a good thing because there's so much to see there. As you said, it's a very diverse country and there's so much more than just the usual touristy things. And I think you did a little bit of the touristy stuff, but you also saw a lot more that most people who just go there on holiday don't actually get to see. Yes, that's what was great about this road trip and about choosing where we wanted to go. And America is a weird and wonderful place. Um, emphasis on the weird. I mean, lots of wonderful, but lots of weird. And going on this road trip and going off the beaten track a bit gave us a glimpse into other sides of America that you maybe wouldn't be that familiar with. I mean, it's just hard to kind of unpick it. It's just so big and so so much going on there. Um, and yeah, just meeting people from you know the Navajo guide, you know, to the fashion people in New York, to the yoga hippies in San Francisco. Um, there's all these different groups of people in America doing completely different things. And, yeah, I mean, you could spend forever there and just write books and books and books and books about all the, all the wonderful stuff happening and all the strange characters that make up that place. Well, it sounds like you're having a great time on your one-year trip around the world, but you moved down to the South Americas. Now, you stayed in the Americas generally, but now into South America. So next time we chat, Sarah, can we chat about your, your trip to Patagonia? Yes, yes, it's been one of the best, it was one of the best trips of my life, um, and it's the most remarkable, amazing, phenomenal place, and I really am telling everybody I know to go there, so I'd love to chat about it next well, time. Well, we'll catch up with you about that next time. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. I caught up with Sarah Duff. She is a travel writer and photographer. She's on her one-year around-the-world trip, and she was in Argentina when I caught up with her, just having done a road trip through the United States. She said 16 states and 7,000 kilometers. Sounds amazing. Well, you can follow Sarah and find out what she's doing. Have a look at her blog. It's duffssuitcase.com. It's D-U-F-F-S suitcase. So it's D-U-F-F-S-U-I-T-C-A-S-E. Duffsuitcase.com and you'll find out exactly where she's been and where she's going and uh, her photographs are really well worth the trip <laughs> to the blog. Honestly, they are absolutely fantastic. So go off there and have a look and we'll be chatting with Sarah again in the not too distant future about some time she's just recently spent as well in Patagonia. Time to travel with Karen Key. Our regular guest, Jenny Prinsler, CEO of Franchic Tourism, is back with us again this evening. And whenever Jenny's on the show, you know there's going to be something fabulous happening in Franchic. Well, not to disappoint you, the Franchic Cap Classique and Champagne Festival, The Magic of Bubbles, which is presented by MasterCard, is taking place over the weekend of the 29th and the 30th of November. But to get all the details, Jenny will tell us about that. Jenny, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Karen. Thank you very much. Right. So, as I said, always something fabulous going on in Franschhoek. This is the next in a long line over this past year. There's always something. You guys are very busy putting on amazing things. Well, you know, we have to make sure that people are, are coming to Franschhoek all the time. And we try and do new things as well, so make it interesting and exciting. So tell us about the Magic of Bubbles. What's happening? So the Magic of Bubbles, well, it's taking place, as you said, on, on the last weekend in November. And we are going to have a Best Dressed competition. And, of course, the theme is black and white. And this year, it's parasols and Panama hats. Oh, I love that. So, and it even kind of rhymes, which is quite nice. Mm. 
And then the best-dressed competition, it's uh, a weekend at the Angola Safari Lodge near the Kruger Park for a couple on Saturday and a couple on Sunday. And besides that, we have 35 Cup Classic producers taking part as well as four champagne houses. All the way from, from France, France, I would imagine, yes, because yes. otherwise we can't say champagne. As otherwise we can't call it champagne. So what's actually happening, I believe also that there's going to be some, um, the food in France, obviously, is without question fabulous. Yes, and the that's food also going is to going to be. be amazing. We've got 13 uh, different food opera- offerings. So that's restaurants and our um, retail uh, food shops. And some of the really exciting things from, for example, Grand Provence, they've got gourmet croissant with smoked Italian mozzarella. Mm. and sun-dried tomato with saffron jam and listen to this truffled and foraged mushroom butter. Oh my goodness. Um, no. And then <laughs> some other lovely already. things are the, the wild peacocks and mussels and fresh oysters which always go very well with uh, MCC and champagne. And then of course we've got Neil Jewell from Bread and Wine with his homemade charcuterie. Everything's quite artisanal this year. And from uh, Antonio Rupert Wines, have you ever heard of Ferrero Rocher Cupcake? No, but I'm going to have to find out because that sounds delicious. It does. And then, of course, we've got our French cheese from uh, Fromage de France and our salmon, a variety of salmon from the Salmon Bar. And a new place, Oula La, which is a new patisserie. They have cakes and pastries available. And then we've got our six-hour confit Karoo Lamb with um, Egyptian dukkha and tonka bean marmalade with estate olive butter. You shouldn't actually be allowed to tell me this sort of thing in the evening because I've had supper and then I'm going to be starving again. <laughs> Makes you hungry. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh, it sounds absolutely amazing. Yes, and so all of that mixed with our um, cup classic and champagne, it's, it's really going to be an amazing event. So how does this actually work then, Jenny? Where would people find this? Would they, is it in one location or would they have to move around? What is, what is this so sort of setup? It's set in the beautiful Huguenot Museum and Monument Gardens, which is at the end of the main road in Franschhoek, where the Huguenot Monument is. And it's uh, all in, in white marquees on the lawn with the beautiful flowers in the garden all flowering at that time in the summer garden. And people can come and there's plenty of parking. And the tickets are 200 rand each from web tickets. And please be sure to book on web tickets because we've already sold um, a large number. And it's open from 12 until 5 on Saturday and Sunday. We are expecting an absolute record crowd. And what are the limits? I mean, because people sort of, you know, we all in Cape Town especially, we wake up at the last minute on the Friday or the Thursday and think, oh, maybe we should go, but then it's going to be too late. Well, you know, we won't allow more than 2,500 people per day because, you know, we like to keep it very beautiful and elegant and not crowded and there's plenty of space for people to sit under the umbrellas and get a table and just relax and enjoy themselves. So it's 200 rand per person and you need to book via webtickets.co.za because yes. otherwise you're not going to get in. And don't think you can just pitch up on the day because guaranteed pretty much there won't be any more place left. Yes, we can't guarantee that. And black and white is the theme. Black and, and white. And for accommodation, um, we're pretty booked up, but people can still find somewhere to stay if they phone our information center on 21 
So there should be something because there's loads of different types of accommodation in Franschhoek as well. There That's is. the other nice thing. There yes. is. It's from self-catering uh, right up to five stars. So whatever you want, a cottage or a hotel room or B&B, you know, you will find what you're looking for. So this is definitely something for the diary. It's not that much longer to go. It's, what, 10 days to go now. And literally, if you haven't booked now, I would suggest you go and do it immediately because otherwise you're not going to get in and you'll have to wait until next time. That's right, Cara. And by the sounds of this, you actually don't want to miss this year's offerings because they sound absolutely delicious. They do. And, you know, it's the end of the year, time for celebrating. Mm. And what better way to do it with, uh, than with uh, champagne and cup classic? And all that fabulous food. I mean, it just sounds... I mean, and, and you know, Franschik has the reputation of being the food and wine capital of South Africa. So yes. you really are putting on the show. I mean, all the fineries out for this one by the sounds of it. It definitely is, Karen. Well, Jenny, it sounds like you're going to have a wonderful weekend. Very busy one, I'm sure, yet again. But you love all the people coming there, so I'm sure you'll enjoy it. But And for all of you going, have a fabulous time. Because honestly, it's, you're going to be the envy of your friends if you get in and they don't. So I suggest you book immediately. And Jenny, thanks you once again for joining us on the show. And hopefully we'll chat with you soon again about something else fabulous in Franschhoek. Thank you so much, Karen. Jenny Prinsloo is CEO of Franschhoek Tourism. And we were chatting there about the Franschhoek Cap Classique and Champagne Festival, The Magic of Bubbles. It's taking place on the 29th and the 30th of November. You have to book. There are limited places available. And to do that, you have to book through webtickets.co.za. The cost is 200 rand per person, which includes access to the festival. And it's open daily between 12 and 5. That's both on the Saturday and the Sunday. And you will get a complimentary tasting glass and tasting tasting coupons and then of course additional vouchers can be purchased on the day and children under 18 will be allowed free entry to the festival so you can take your children with you it's a wonderful location if you've never been to the Huguenot Monument beautiful the gardens are magnificent and your kids will love running around the lawns it's absolutely beautiful so make it a family day out and enjoy the Francia Cap Classique and Champagne Festival the magic of bubbles this is news hour starting at seven on two Let's cross over to the streets for breaking news. There's scenes of excitement here on the streets. The masses are celebrating the return of Afrikaans news to SABC2 tonight at 7, followed by Sisutu, Setswana and Sepedi News. And Interface on Sunday at 8.30pm. Back to studio. News hour, new time slot. Big stories from your new world. Tonight at 7 on SABC2. Join us this Thursday on Top Billing as Mini Family takes Manhattan in a dynamite New York cover shoot. Tinkerbell faces off with baggies who will batter the bone in Janice Honeyman's Peter Pan. We chart the rise of Top Billing presenter search winner Jonathan Boynton Lee and the Black Knight, Mr. Gary Player, hosts us on his magnificent Peru stud farm. Don't miss Top Billing this Thursday night, 8.30. Repeat Sunday, 12.30. Find it on 3. Time to travel with Karen Key. Well, that's it for Time to Travel for this week. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me this evening. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you've heard on the show this evening, you can find it on Facebook. Just go to Travel on SAFM or email me on travel at safm.co.za. And if you'd like a copy of that amazing new Cape Town City Walk, it hasn't launched effectively yet, but you can still go and do it yourself because there's no guided tours or anything. You can just go off and wander around the city yourself. But the, the list of all the different things 
things that are on this particular walk are available, as well as a sort of a map. So if you'd like all of that, it's the proposed route for the Cape Town Walk. It's a project being facilitated by the Cape Town Partnership. Drop me a mail to travel at safm.co.za and I will send you a copy of that. I'll be back with you next Monday evening with the Law Report. I'll be joined by attorney Ishmael Mohammed, and we'll be talking about property law. So join me then.